Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to a special episode of Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brown, and was say delighted to be joined with the excellent Ollie Kay from the Athletic. Um, always great to have Ollie back. I try not to be a nuisance to him, but uh, it's great to have him here. Ollie, how you doing, mate? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Nice to speak to you. Yes, mate. Brilliant to have you back. Um, Ollie, so much to talk about. First thing I want to start with is um, the situation at Everton with Frank Lampard, because... Um, mm-hmm. Lots of debate about whether Lampard actually deserved the job, whether he should have got the job or not. What's your take on the situation at Everton and Frank Lampard's credentials for that job? Um, I think it's, I think it's, it's something that's quite divisive. I, I, I think to look at the job he did at Derby, um, you wouldn't normally get the Chelsea job on the back of that job. Let's let, let's be honest, you, you wouldn't normally get. A sort of top half Premier League job on the back of that. And he he got he probably got the opportunity at Derby because of his name. Mm-hmm. But once he was there, I felt he did a really good job. And people say, well, he just he got to the playoffs and lost, same as Gary Rout did the year before. But um he changed the style they played, he brought the wage build down, got young players, um, some of Dar- some of Derby's players like um, Bogle and players like that, but um, but also some lone players, Harry Wilson, Mason Mount, Tamori. He showed that he was a good developer of young talent at, at Derby. He showed at Chelsea. I mean, he he fell short ultimately of the of the standard that was required at Chelsea. But he was eighteen months into a rebuilding job, which I think was a really really important reset rebuilding job. Um, you can look at the job that Thomas Tuchel. Um, has done since and say, well, look, it was a massive upgrade when when they got him in. But I don't think Tuchel would have would have had anything like the success he's had if Lampard hadn't made the decisions and difficult decisions and um, sort of taking one step back, really, to take two steps forward by developing, promoting players like Reese James, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, um, Tamori again. Um, so I, I felt some of those are gone. Only I mean, Tamori and Abraham are gone. I know, but that wasn't his choice, was it? it you know, and, and they got loads of money for them. You know, that mm. he, he players who would otherwise have been um, languishing in in the reserves or going out on loan um, again and again, they got what seventy million pounds between the two of them, or something like that. Um, so that you know, those, those two alone, you could say that benefited Chelsea enormously. You could look at Mason Mount and Reese James and the progress they've made, and it's enormous. And just aside from the individuals, it just changed the culture of Chelsea from being an ageing squad with all these sort of play, players that they bought in on, on gr- great expense. And I don't think they were great in the final year under Conte or the final or, or the, or the Sarri, Sarri season. I felt it was a really important job that he did in terms of clearing a lot of the um, older players out developing this new sort of identity around younger players and look I, I understand why people would say well he went to Chelsea and failed but I don't think you can say he failed outright because he he succeeded with a large part of what he did they were top of the league going into December that season and then he was out because results went sort of nosedived in the final two months December, January he was out because that's as long as you get at Chelsea but um so that's a very long way of saying I felt it was, you know, I, I know of other clubs that, that were keen to talk to him and, and still admired the work he did at Chelsea and the, the work he did at Derby. Um, 
and maybe maybe his name helped in terms of that perception. But I also feel the, the job he did at Derby and at Everton was was creditable and would make you more more inclined to to appoint him rather than less inclined. So that's yeah a very long way of getting around to the to the point that I think it's you know a, a, a reasonable um, a reasonably sensible appointment except that I would have said the ideal situation for Lampard would be a well-run club with with a clear identity with with good young players with 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 a chance to build something long term like he was trying to do at Derby like he was trying to do at um at Chelsea rather than going straight into a, a sort of mid-season crisis at, at a club like Everton which it is a it is a crisis I think he did I think somebody like Lampard would have been a better sort of summer appointment. Mm. So you go into a season you know, with with a fresh slate, with a clean slate, rather than a necessarily a sort of mid-season firefighting appointment. And it really is a fire <laughs> at Everton. It's a mess. Um, it's been a mess for a while. It got much, much worse under Benitez, and that really wasn't the right choice. Um, However much you might respect Benitez's previous achievements, it was a, very much the the you know the wrong club for him, um, and it just got worse. And I think under Lampard, it has got a bit better. I would say there've been some real low points. And Sunday at Palace, um, last week at at, um, at Tottenham in the league, what was that five 0 But there've also been more encouraging performances of a type that I just didn't see happening under Benitez. So I would say they had more chance of staying up under Lampard than I do under Benitez. That's almost my question is, when you're in a dogfight, the one that Everton are in, is it smart to appoint Lampard when, in reality, what they may have needed, I hate to use this term, but an interim manager, a guy that's a perfectionist, someone that understands how to keep a club up. And we know in England, we have managers that get these jobs and they get them about the same time. They get them around in January when clubs are in trouble and you get a specialist and keeps you up. Then you rebuild in the summer. Does Lampard really have the experience? Because, Ollie, as you know, this the bottom five is a whole different league than the top five. I mean, and, and what's required at that level uh, to keep players to have their confidence, to, you know, it's just a whole different job. To get them to believe in you and trust you, um, is Lampard? Uh, uh, could he get sacked before the end of the season if Everton fall into the bottom three? Well, I think it's really hard to um, second guess an owner like Mashiri, who has just been incredibly impulsive and short-sighted. Um, the whole time. I mean, he's he's sort of changed his mind with the wind. He went into the January transfer window being sort of squarely behind Benitez and um, absolutely insisting there was, you know, I mean, he basically allowed his, his director of football, um, Marcel Brands, to leave because he backed Benitez ahead of him. Um, he allowed Lucas Digne to, to leave um, because he backed Benitez. He got you know, two very young fullbacks at, at considerable expense really, in January, um, on, I think, Benitez's say-so. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, they lose a game badly at Norwich and they sack it. And um, 
I don't think that was ever the right appointment, but I, I just, I just think it, it was, it just showed how utterly erratic um, Mashiri is as an owner, um, that there's no plan. Um, so to turn around sort of mid-January and say, right, we're going in a different direction, and then to look at different coaches and Vitor Pereira and, um, and Lampard and a couple of others that they looked at. I mean, it wasn't really a time to start a new um, evolution, you know, start a new project really because of the situation they were in, which has actually got worse in some ways, although they've won, I think they've won two of the league games since, since then and, and as well as a couple in the, in the FA Cup. Um, but it, the situation's got worse because Burnley have won a few games, Norwich have won a few games, Watford have won a few games, Newcastle have certainly won a few games, Leeds have won a few games. So the situation has got worse and um, that's not Lampard's fault. It, you know, it, there has been, an, there has been a, a small upturn in Everton's trajectory. But um, yeah, I, I, I take the point that what they really need here is is somebody who's uh, a, an experienced, reputed firefighter. But they, you know they got Salahadis in. What was it? Four years ago now, he kept them up. Well, look, this was November, I think, or yeah, late November when they appointed him. They were you know, they, they were in some danger because they, they they'd had a really bad start to the season. But um, he stabilised them almost in, immediately, and and it all felt. Um, like a kind of just a, he just felt like an interim rather than a firefighter in the end. Um, and then they got Silver in, um, and they just flitted really from one model to to the to the next, one type of manager to mm. to the next. And Lampard probably felt like a, a change of direction um, was likely to get something. You know, turn to younger players. Uh, they've got some very good younger players, um, so. I can understand it. I totally understand it. But yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I, th- I think the way I described it in, 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 on The Athletic is that it was a, a gamble really for both parties. You know, a gamble for Everton because Lampard hadn't done that kind of job before and a, a gamble for Lampard because, you know, there was a real risk that it, that it could go wrong and that a promising managerial career could be sort of irreparably damaged by being unable to sort of solve the problems that Champions League a Champions League winning manager like Rafa Benitez wasn't able to solve. So a gamble, but I do think Everton are more likely to stay up than they were had they kept drifting under Benitez. Let me ask you about Eddie Howe, because uh, Gareth Southgate was pressured earlier in the week. Uh, you heard of Louis van Hal's comments yesterday about FIFA uh, having a World Cup in Qatar. Uh, credit to Gareth Southgate, because he didn't say step the issue. Uh, he rightfully talked about human rights issues. And then you've got Eddie Howe being criticised because he's rolling out them sticking to football. In some slight sense, and this is very slight, I sympathise with him because, truthfully, the authorities shouldn't allow the takeover and to have a manager put in this situation. But at the same time, he still has to hold the hands up uh, for who he works for and admit that there's serious questions to be asked here. Um, in the current climate, with everything that's going on with Ukraine, how long can Eddie Howe get away with this? 
I think it's a really difficult question. I mean, it, instinctively, yes, he, he he has an... Well, look, first of all, I would say journalists have a, an obligation and a duty and, and a, a right. You know, if you don't think they have an obligation or duty, you must also say... You would say they do have a right to ask about about these mm-hmm. issues, and people could turn around and say, "Well, what about this? What about that? What about you know other clubs' sponsorship deals um, in Saudi Arabia or or, or elsewhere?" Yes. Um, and I think these are really valid questions that I've, I've, I've raised them myself. Um, but people have a right to ask the manager of a. Saudi club and when it's when it's clearly 80% state owned um people do have the have have the rights to um ask those questions um Eddie, Eddie Howe I suppose has the right to answer those as he sees fit and he has the right to hide behind I suppose platitudes or evasive talk or whatever but um it's it would surprise me more if a football manager in that situation was honest about about his paymasters. Um, it, we can we can say that Eddie has um, acting evasively or, or whatever, but that's I mean it's very rare for football managers ever to answer those questions honestly. I mean it's to, I, I've I've praised Thomas Tuchel a lot the last few weeks for the way he's handled the. Um, questions about Roman Abramovich and, and the, that situation at Chelsea but it's a situation I mean he he's he's answering the questions that way because the tide has turned and the, the wind's blowing in a different direction that Abramovich is no longer well he's clinging on to Chelsea but he's not really in control of Chelsea anymore so um, it is a different situation if, if Eddie Howe was um, not fearing for his job or, or whatever then or if the ownership was changed, he might he might come up with different answers. But look, it's I remember Pep Guardiola being asked about about Manchester City a, f- a few uh, and Abu Dhabi a few uh, years ago, where he was wearing the the, the yellow ribbon for the um, sort of um, yeah in solidarity with the mm-hmm. the, the Catalan protests, and yeah. um, he he spoke about human rights. Then and a journalist next to me asked, "Well, what about the human rights in Abu Dhabi? You've, you've, are you going to um, are you going to express concern about those as well?" And he sort of shut down and and, and um, didn't answer that question properly at all. And it would surprise you more if a manager did in that situation. There's, there's, I think it's very difficult for a manager. Uh, whose background and all they know really is football um, to answer very difficult questions about about human rights, about geopolitical situations. Um, I would prefer it if they could, but I would much, much, much prefer it if managers weren't put in that position because of because clubs weren't being put in that position where where right. where they're owned by. Well, any state, never mind a never mind right. a, um, a state with dubious human rights records, but, but um, or awful human rights records. But you know, I, I, I don't think we should have um, 
football clubs owned by the, the ownership we model we have in England, which just allows any reprobate reprobate to um, to buy a club. I, I just don't think that should ever have been the case. Um, and it's good now that we're all asking questions that some of us have probably been asking for longer, but but I think probably all of us should have been asking 20 years ago, never mind 10 years ago. Is it really a failure of governance, Ollie? Because when you look at who owns these football clubs and you look at other sports and the rules that are strictly adhered to when it comes to suitability for ownership, it seems like anybody could pass the old fit and proper test. You think about Saxon Chinawatra, you think about mm. who Saxon Chinawatra sold the football club to, um, and in a lesser term, you think about disgraceful ownership of Hicks and Gillette of Liverpool, of the Manchester United ownership, you know, uh, and of course, Sheffield United are also owned by Saudis. Um, tell me, is this really a failure of governance more than anything? Yeah, totally. Um, I, I remember the Premier League having a, a line that I don't know if it was ever said publicly, but but the line was ownership neutral, that they didn't they didn't have any sort of preference or um, sort of ideological preference for, for, for one type of ownership or over another. And to be honest, most of the only types of ownership in English football are negative, you know, the, I don't think many of the ownership models um, are terribly healthy. You can say Roman Abramovich is, has been a, a brilliant owner for Chelsea, but owner of Chelsea. Um, but I wouldn't say he's my idea of what an owner should be. Um, Abu Dhabi have been brilliant for Manchester City. Qatar Sports Investments have been brilliant for PSG, but um, often when when people are just pumping money in um, almost indiscriminately, um, it's for reasons other than altruism. It's not because they they love this club. It's because there's a wider aim. Where, you know, Abramovich's um, objectives were never. I think it's really hard to define them, but. They were never about Chelsea, were they? They were never about loving football, or I think I think it was about embedding him himself in Western society, both to sort of strengthen him or, or, or make him a, a safe person in in the eyes of Western society, and make him a, a, a sort of a valuable person in the eyes of the Kremlin. I, th I think that that would be my interpretation of what. Um, um, Abramovich's aims were. I think I would look at Abu, the Sheikh Mansour takeover of Manchester City and the Saudi takeover at Newcastle and the Qatari takeover of PSG and say it's 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 about making Manchester City, Newcastle and PSG pawns in a political game or geopolitical game and they're serving you know a, a much greater strategic purpose than him just what you know them just wanting to see a a team run well and it, it's quite galling when the guys that, that own those clubs have actually done a really good job whereas you look at you know, some people who have bought football clubs with, with the right intentions the right motives and done a pretty terrible job um, because they've let their heart rule their head and you've seen and, and then you've got the other category 
again, which we've talked about ad nauseum uh, in the past, which is the sort of Glazer type, Stan Kroenke mm-hmm. type owner. Um, I'd say Fenway Sports Group, even though they've they've been good for Liverpool, where it is clearly 100% about making money. It's 100% an unemotional investment. Um, so I don't really like any of those ownership models that I mentioned. I don't like, I mean, I don't like Mike Ashley running Newcastle United badly when he's, it's just a sort of, just another company in his, in his portfolio. And he's, uh, and he's more interested in promoting his sports retail empire. Um, I don't really like many of the ownership models or ownerships in the Premier League. Um, so we've ended up in a situation where, yeah, the Premier League might have said they were ownership neutral. I would say I'm pretty ownership hostile, just based on the, um, based on the, um, a lot of the owners we see in the Premier League. And if there's any way we can turn back the clock and go to something like they have in Germany, that would be, God, oh, that would be a dream, really, to, to, to get anywhere near that that type of model. Let me ask because, you about... Sorry, go ahead, I. I was just going to say, because, you know, I, I know Germany, I know the Bundesliga aren't having these sort of major crises about, well, the, the geopolitical impact of, of or, or the impact on their league of geo, geopolitical events. Um, I know Schalke had Gazprom and swiftly decided they no longer wanted Gazprom on, on their shirt, but you know, it's, it's generally the clubs are member-owned or they're owned by local companies like VW and, and Bayer. Um, that, to me, is a, a much more pure ownership model and I wish we had something like that in English football. Let me ask you about Chelsea, Ollie, because obviously they're going to be sold in the very near future. The question becomes who buys that football club and is willing to run it in exactly the same way that Roman Abramovich was where he's going to take a significant loss or she's going to take a significant loss, whoever buys it they. Um, do we, because, you know, we, we remember Peter Kenyon talking about Chelsea being self-sufficient within three years. They never got there. A billion and a half is owed to Abramovich in debt, um, which is now going to be turned into equity and written off. Uh, how does anyone come into that football club, run it the way it's been run, and accept taking a big loss? Or are we going to see Chelsea uh, cut their cloth accordingly? I think, given the type of, of investors that are circling, and, and given that it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, generally American owners. American owners are generally very much more based on self, self-sustainability, which, is, which I think is good, but they're, but they're, all, they're also sort of quite um, unemotionally business, business-like, um, which can sometimes be bad. I think you would hope, if, if you're a Chelsea fan, you would hope it's, it's um, the... You know, somebody who would be less um somebody who would care more than the glazers if i put it that way someone who would put put you know even if they weren't going to put money into the club they might they won't they wouldn't take it out the way the glazers have um so yeah i look, I, I don't think they'll get anybody that will run the club the the way abramovich did i don't think that at all but um I also don't think Abramovich over, 
I'll say most of the last eight, nine years, something like that, maybe most of the last decade, the FFB era, he hasn't run it quite the way he had done in the past. It had been, I mean, look, it's it makes a loss a lot of years. Um, but they you know, they have become one of the biggest clubs in the world, whether you know, whether you whether you liked whether people like to say that or or, or not. It, it's um, you know, I, I think they're eighth in the eighth in the Deloitte Money League, which or, or that was the case in 2020, you know, the, the league which uh, or the league table which shows clubs by revenue. Um, I think they're quite a long way below Man City and PSG in sixth and seventh. But in terms of, I mean, you can look at Chelsea's commercial deals and say that, that these are just because it's a big brand now. You can't, you can't necessarily say that about Manchester City and PSG. They, it does look because of the the size of you know, the way their commercial revenue has grown um, under those ownerships and the way with sponsorship deals from those ownerships. It, it's fair to say, I think, that that those um, commercial revenues look a little bit more than they naturally would be. Um, whereas, so if you, if you look at it that way, Chelsea have probably got the, I don't know, sixth, seventh um, highest um, commercial revenue. They, they are a big club these days. They've got fans all over the world, a lot of fans. Um, they've got a stadium which they've filled pretty much every game for the last 15 years and they need to expand that, that that's more of a problem than, than than anything else so it's it's a club that i think you could run it sustainably and it would it would do very well if they need to sell a few players well they've got this enormous squad they've got all these players on loan they've got exciting young players that people want to pay money for um they do, you know, they're doing well in the Champions League yet again. They're going to make um, a lot of money from that. Um, the stadium is a is a concern because it's going to cost a lot of money to 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 do anything, whether it's redevelop or, or build a new one. But I don't see Chelsea falling away from the sort of top four, top six clubs in the, in the Premier League. I really don't. I, I think I think because it's been this era that that they've built, and because I think an era where the successful clubs just get richer and richer and richer and more, you know, um, more and more successful. Um, and it just creates this huge, pretty much unbridgeable gap down towards clubs like, you know, Everton and Aston Villa and, um, you know, Newcastle, Leicester, etc. cetera. It, it's, it's pretty hard to see Chelsea falling away uh, even if they were to have say two years out of the Champions League I, I think Chelsea because they've grown in this era where where if you're part of that elite you're probably in that elite forever um, so I, I, I don't see Chelsea falling away but I don't also don't see them having the success that they had under Abramovich yeah, it'd be interesting because obviously a lot of their revenue is dependent upon them qualifying for tournaments, which requires them spending a lot of money and it's all related. It's all mm. cycles. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I want to finish up by asking you about uh, Manchester United because it looks like uh, Ten Hag is the favourite um, to take that job. It uh, coincides with some stuff that I've been told as well. Um, one, do you think he's the right guy? And two, uh, 
do you think that uh, Manchester United have much deeper problems than a manager? Oh yeah, I, I think I've I've said that for for the past nine, uh, well eight eight years that you know the big problem, the the root cause of the problems is the Glazer ownership. It's there's there's a a culture in the dressing room, I think, which is very egotistic. Um, there's a you know I, I don't think there's the hard work culture that that Ferguson instilled and and that Klopp has instilled at Liverpool and Guardiola has instilled at Manchester City. Um, players routinely, you know, talented go players go there and look a shadow of the player they looked at the previous club or for their national team. Um, so there's you know and, and and I would relate all of that to structural issues and the people that the Glazers have had running the club because, you know, Ed Woodward reflected their priorities in a way that I don't think a more football-centric CEO would have would have reflected their priorities. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... I think um, and then you look at the, the, the money that has gone out of the club to prop up the Glazer regime. I think, I think that, that those are the... Those are the are the bigger problems at Manchester United, and, and a consequence of those problems is a football structure and a football department. I guess you'd say it's a club like United, um, which has sort of become a consistent underperformer. Um, they've underperformed really for for those nine years. Um, I think any manager coming in has got a really big job to turn it around. Um, so yeah, I think there are miles bigger problems than a manager. I thought I think even when I've questioned the appointment of Moyes, Van Hall, Mourinho, Solskjaer, and those questions have been um, validated and and those doubts have been um, sort of reinforced by what's gone on. I think at various times. Um, I think it's. I think it's also fair to say that they would have a better chance at a club that was well run. And I don't think Man United, in the post-Ferguson, post-Gill era, has been well run. Let me ask you one more quick question about Arteta. Mandy asked you to sneak it in because we're starting to see some uh, form from Arsenal that suggests that this form may be more temporary than, or more permanent than temporary. That we may be starting to see. What Arteta's plans are with Arsenal, they're starting to take shape, they're starting to have an identity, they've got good young players in there. Uh, is Arsenal uh, finally looking like the team they intended to be under Mikel Arteta, or should we not take them seriously yet? Um, depends how depends how serious you mean. I mean, I I I I think I think I would certainly take them seriously for for top four. Position, I would certainly take seriously their improvement this season. I think it's been really impressive, and I think Arteta has been really impressive. But I think you can you can sort of date it back to the mid, middle of last season. If you, if you go back to the midpoint of last season, then uh, and, and take it from there, the point where uh, so many people were screaming for him to be sacked, and, and Arsenal stood by him at that point. They sort of started very very slowly to turn a corner. Um, Around the January of of, of twenty twenty one, sorry, can't remember what year it is. <laughs> um, 
but it, it's um and 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 you know they've been consistent really for for over 12 months um and there is much more of a an identity emerging much more of a a style emerging and it's and it's it, it's much more in keeping with the football that um i think we were led to believe he i mean they, they don't score a vast number of goals i think it's 44 in 28 games or something like that it's not I think it's comfortably the the lowest total in the top seven. I think it is, and it's it, it's 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 way less than the, the teams above them. I think that I think they're way behind Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. But to be to have improved the way they have, um, to have got beyond Tottenham, to go, to have got beyond Man United, and got beyond a, a sort of buoyant West Ham, um, I think is really impressive. And I think to have done it the way they've done it, building around younger players um, and, and very technical players, a lot of them, Odegaard and Smith-Rowe and Saka and Martinelli, I, I, I think it's really impressive. I think it's really exciting. I think it's really hard to make the next step without spending considerably. But I do see them... I mean, they've got some. They've got a really tough few games coming up in the Premier League, um, but I can, I can see them getting that top four spot. That 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 fourth spot. It would be. Um, I don't like talking of top four as an achievement. I don't think. I don't think top four was an achievement for Arsenal in the years when, um, when, well, when when they were just part of an established top four and they were yeah. kind of scraping top four finishes sometimes and. At the expense of teams that were less well resourced, whereas now you look at it and and they are they've had to clamber in from the outside. I think that would be more of an achievement, and that would be a real vindication for Arteta and for the club uh, and and the, the the small number of fans who who stood by him um, in the, in those difficult times. Hi, as always, mate, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's been a while, no so thanks for coming back to do it. Uh, don't forget, folks, to check out Oliver K at Oliver Kay. Uh, fantastic work over at The Athletic. And uh, always a pleasure to have you back. Thank you so much, mate, and I hope things are well. Okay, sounds good. Speak soon. Cheers, Ali. Thanks, man.